Here we go. Okay, so this morning I titled my message, I Was a Stranger. So you might be thinking, okay, you work with refugees, so you're probably going to be talking a lot about the refugees. Well, honestly, I'm going to be talking a lot more about how all of us, myself included, have been a stranger. So I want to start by asking this question. Maybe if I can get the slide to change. (laughs) All right. I want to ask you this question. You can answer me if you want to answer, but if you want to think to yourself, that's also fine. Do you remember as a child what you were taught about talking or interacting with strangers? Don't talk to them. Don't do it. Yeah, they're dangerous. Don't take candy. Especially don't take candy and don't get in their van. Um, Yeah, so we're kind of taught from a very young age that you need to be fearful. You need to be guarded. Um, You need to be careful because they might be out to get you and you don't know it. Um, But when I was talking with my mom, uh, when I was planning my, my sermon today, she said, you know, We're taught this as a young child that you need to be afraid. You need to be afraid. Um, You need to be cautious. But she said, and it stuck with me, was that in being afraid of people, we're missing the angels in disguise. Because you know in Scripture it says that we entertain angels and strangers and don't even know it. Um, So that's the first thing I want to think about today is just reflect on what have you been taught about how to interact with strangers. We have an issue. There we go. There we go. So I was pushing the button. I'm not sure it was working. Well, there we go. All right, there we go. Sweet. So today, um, what I want to talk to you about is how God has been talking about, about strangers um, and how we should interact with them for a very long time. So today I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about how um, Israel was a stranger Secondly, I'm going to talk to you about how Christ himself was a stranger. And thirdly, I'm going to talk about how I, myself, was a stranger. And then finally, I will conclude by talking about how all of us together have been a stranger. Um, So the first thing we're going to talk about and look at today is the Israelites. We know throughout Scripture, through the Bible, that God uses um, Israel kind of to point to Christ and how he... Um, uses them as a part of his story of redemption. So throughout the entire Bible, God is telling a story. Um, And so one part of their story was that they were slaves for a very, very, very long time. Okay, and so what I want to argue about today is that God allowed the Israelites the experience of being refugees and the experience of being foreigners in order to cultivate compassion. Um, So you might be thinking when you read um, in the book of Exodus, why were the Israelites slaves for 430 years? Why would God possibly allow that to happen to them? Um, If God is good and God is all of these things, why would he allow his people into slavery for that long? Um, But what I would like to say is, is he allowed it so that they would be compassionate. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, or if not, you can look up here on the screen. Exodus 12, 37 through 38 and 40 says, That night the people of Israel left Ramses and started for Succoth. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children, and they were all traveling on foot. Many people who were not Israelites went with them. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. So as we look at this scripture, I want to point out a few things. 
Firstly, look at the number of people who are fleeing Egypt, okay? We have to keep in mind they're fleeing. Uh, They're not walking casually. Um, They're kind of at a rush, you know, because they're trying to escape Pharaoh. So look at how many people. So there's 600,000 men, not even including the number of women and children, and they were traveling on foot. Now look at this part. Many people who were not Israelites went with them. Many people who were not Israelites went with them. So, you know that after they leave Egypt, they spend a significant amount of time wandering in the desert because of their own complaining, their own ungratefulness. Um, So keep this in mind, keep this with you, that there were people who were not Israelites with them. There were people who were not like them when they crossed the Red Sea. There were people who did not share their language um, during this process. And in the time that they were wandering, these people were with them. So now if we look, um, as they continue to progress, God continues to give them commands. And we see in the book of Deuteronomy um, that God says, The Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and takes no bribes. He gives justice to the orphans and widows. He shows love to the foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. So, God is saying, okay, I'm the awesome one. I'm the, I'm the powerful one. I take no bribes. I take no favorites. Um, so keep that in mind as you're out here in the wilderness and you're wandering. Remember that I love you and I rescued you. You were once a people in a land that was not your own. So now because there are also, remember there's also people with them who are not Israelites, You must also love the foreigner because you yourselves were once foreigners. And again, he goes on to say, um, in Exodus 22, 31, do not oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were foreigners in the land of Egypt. When I read this passage, it kept sticking out to me, the remember part, the remember part. Because honestly, you know, we go through experiences in life and then we forget We forget what we've been through, and so it would have been easy for the Israelites to say, okay, that's in our past, we've moved moved past this, we're not foreigners anymore, we're not held captive by the Egyptians anymore. Um, But God says, remember, don't fool yourselves, remember, you were also in the same place that they were at one point. So, as we continue throughout the Bible, I'm just going to keep that part pretty brief um, because we could talk about the history of how we treat strangers and the history of God's justice throughout the Bible. That's a very long, extensive thing. So I'm just going to kind of fly through it a little bit. Um, But the next thing I want to talk about is that God's story of redemption continued from Israel and reached a pinnacle point through Jesus Christ, who himself was both the one who welcomed and was also the stranger. So Christ, we know, is our perfect example, right? He's God and he's man. He showed us how to live here on earth. Um, And so we see in his life that he was the one who extended the welcome, but he was also the one who was the stranger. So how was Jesus the one who welcomed? Well, we could talk about that in so many ways. Um, But he was a gracious host, when he gave his life 
to welcome us into his kingdom. What a picture of hospitality, right? Hospitality is the idea of I'm going to give myself for you so that you feel welcomed, you feel a sense of belonging, um, that you are welcomed in. Um, And so Christ did that to the utmost when he died for us so that we might come into his kingdom, into his house, right? Into his house um, and be a part of his family. And in that, he adopts us as his children. So we were even talking about that a little bit in the Hebrew scripture that was read this morning about how uh, we have become the sons and daughters of God, right? It cost him a lot. Uh, to allow that to happen. And so we see there um, that he is a gracious host to us to have allowed us in. We also see several other examples throughout Scripture um, where he's giving of himself, where he's being hospitable, um, where he's feeding over 5,000 people at once, um, if not more, including the women and children. Um, He gives himself as our bread of life. Um, He himself is the bread of life. And then he offers living water to the thirsty. So he gives and he gives and he gives. And he's the one who brings us in as his children. And he's the one who brings us into his kingdom. And yet, Jesus was also a stranger. Jesus was also a stranger. So we look and we know that through the Christmas story that will be coming and we'll be hearing it soon, you know, December's rolling around. Um, But Jesus left his home in heaven So he left the place where he belonged. He left the place where he was with the Father. um, And he chose to dwell among men. And when he came, there was no room for him. We made no room for him. We made no room for him in our hearts or in our homes. Um, And so we know this passage, Luke 2, 7. Mary wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So... The moment that Christ steps onto the scene, he's not welcome. There was no room for him. And shortly after, Jesus himself becomes a refugee. Isn't that interesting? It says in Matthew 2, 13 through 14, The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to try and kill the child. So I believe at this point in time, Jesus was like two-ish, around two. Um, But he, as a young child, had to flee into a country that was not his own. And don't you think it's interesting that he went to Egypt, the very place that the Israelites were delivered from? Um... So Christ and his family from a young age were taught what it's like to be a stranger. So keep in mind that the Egyptians don't speak the same language as the Israelites. Um, So there's a language difference, there's a cultural difference, there's, uh, yeah, just all sorts of differences between them. And so Christ was raised in another culture. Um, Two years, as a child, as an infant, he was experiencing this. And then we see throughout his entire time of ministry on earth, he was rejected by men. Men, we could go through so many scriptures where Christ is rejected, right? They, they want to throw him off a cliff. Um, he's, not re- he's not recognized even by his own family, his own brothers. In his own hometown, he's not recognized. Um, but I really appreciated Isaiah 53 that says, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by. 
He was despised and we did not care. Let me say that last one again. He was despised and we did not care. That was really convicting for me as I read that. I mean, all of the scriptures I've been sharing are from the NLT version, uh, New Living Translation version, and I really appreciated the way that they're sharing that. He was despised and we did not care. Have any of you in your life, I want you to think to yourself, if you want to share out loud, you're always welcome, um, but think to yourself, has there been a time in my life where I was despised and someone did not care? I felt despised and no one cared. How did that make you feel on the inside? In my opinion, when I have felt this way, it gives you a sense of unbelonging. Like, I do not belong here. This is not my place. This is not for me. So Christ himself experienced the exact same thing that many of us have experienced. So, I know I'm moving a little bit quickly here, but... The point I want to make next is that God continues to tell his story through us. Um, So the Bible is his story, but he continues his story through our lives if we let him. If we're open and we allow him to author our lives, right, because he's the author and perfecter of our faith, if we allow him to, he will keep telling his story. And so now here's, here's the part where I hope it gets a little bit interesting for you. I'm going to make it a little more personal, and I'm going to share a little bit, just a part of my story with you. Um, so much like the Israelites, God allowed me to be a foreigner. He allowed me to be a foreigner in order to cultivate compassion in me. And so that's where I see the parallel between the Israelites' experience and my own, although I was not a slave, but foreigner. Um, so... Like Linnea mentioned, I was an international and cross-cultural studies major. And during that time, it was required of me that I study abroad. So I thought, okay, you know, I love Africa. I would rather go to Uganda, I think. That's, that's my number one choice. I want to go to Uganda. Well, things kind of fell apart, and that never happened. Uh, financial reasons, I had already taken the classes that they offered there, and so I wasn't able to go to Uganda. Meanwhile, in the back of my head, I hear my French professor saying, you know, you really should study in France if you want to improve your French. I had been taking French since high school, and I thought, you know, this is not for me. I'm not really that interested in in Europe, which is odd, I know, because most people are. Um, But I didn't necessarily feel called there. I didn't feel any sort of pull in that direction. Um, But when things started falling apart going to Uganda, I thought, hmm. Okay, maybe I need to give this a second thought. So, lo and behold, I studied abroad in Grenoble, France, which is like in the Alps, kind of near Switzerland, in the southern part of France. And you would think, okay, you're going to France. You're living it up. This is a great time. Traveling is fun. You know, uh, you get to see so many great things. You get to eat great food. You know, all of these things. But I would be lying to you if I told you that my time there was anything easy. My time there was not easy. Was it beautiful? Yes. Was it, was I able to meet a lot of wonderful people? Yes. Was I able to travel around? Yeah. But honestly, there was a part where for the first time in my life, I really felt this very deep unbelonging. Like, this is not my place. Like, this is not, this is not for me. I don't belong here. This is not my home. This is not my language. This is not my food. This is not my culture. 
Uh, so what am I doing here? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you're like, how did I get here? Like, how did this even happen? I don't understand. How am I here? And so, yeah, Linnea and I were just talking about this feeling the other day where you're suddenly sitting somewhere and your brain just can't understand, like, how, how am I here? Why is this happening? And so I could tell you story after story after story after story of things that were going wrong in my life at that time while I was there. My mom can tell you who is here. Um, there was just challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. But honestly, one of the biggest things that disconnected me was the language. And so I get there, and I can understand a little French, all right, but eh, speaking, maybe not so good, not so good, not so hot. Um, uh, you're right. So, and I had that in my mind when I went there. I knew I had a perception of what French people were like if you can't speak French. And so I'm like, I am terrified. I can't speak French to these people because if I do, they're going to know instantly that I'm a foreigner. Instantly they will know. And they did. <laughs> and they did. Because even if I was speaking with correct grammar, my accent gives me away. Um, all sorts of things give me away, right? And so there were several times where I'm going to the grocery store. That was the most anxiety-inducing part of, of my life there, going to the grocery store, going to get my phone turned on, or going to the train station. All of these things where people perceived that I was French until they quickly realized that I was not <laughs> because they heard the accent, they heard the 20 grammar mistakes in one sentence. Um, all of these things gave me away. And to watch people's facial expressions once they realized that I was not French. So I can give you one example. Was when I was on a tram. It was not that big of a deal, but sometimes the tram people, the people who are employed by the tram will come on and they take a survey. So I seen this lady coming and I thought, oh no, please do not talk to me because I can't answer you. I might understand you, but I'm not going to be able to answer you. Please no, please no, please no. So I'm coming to my stop, my tram stop's coming and I think, okay, I'm going to get off of here before she gets to me and I'm going to scoot by this and no one will ever know. Well, lo and behold, she makes it to me before I get off the tram. And she is just yammering away so fast, just reading these questions, reading these questions. And I'm like, oh, no, I cannot understand a word this lady is saying to me. What do I do? So what I did, my, my phrase that I had practiced over and over and over and over in my head, can you please speak more slowly? I practiced this in my head for a moment like this. And so I asked the lady, could you please speak more slowly? I can't understand you. And instantly, her demeanor towards me changed. She got a scowl on her face. Um, her, there was a scowl on her face, and like she didn't really want to keep talking to me, but she knew she had to keep, to keep talking to me so that she could finish her survey. And so she's asking me questions, and I'm trying to answer, but now I'm flustered because I see that she's not really appreciating the fact that I don't speak French, um, or at the time was not speaking French very well. And so it was in that moment, after I got off the tram, I'm walking home, I'm walking home, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, if this is what it's like for me, you know, and I look like the people here, people don't really know that I'm not French unless they start talking to me, but 
Can you imagine what it's like for people in the U.S. who are immigrants, who don't speak English, who, you know, and my mind is just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, and I'm thinking, oh, my word, I never realized how difficult it must be to be an immigrant because I'm scared to go to the grocery store. I'm scared to go to the tram station. I'm scared, you know, I'm scared that a stranger's going to try to talk to me, like all of these things. And so this is churning in my head, and, I, and I'm realizing, God... Okay, you know that I really love all things international. You know I love eating international food. You know I love meeting foreign people, all of these things. Okay, God, so if I am in the United States, in my culture, in my country, in my language, how am I going to use this passion for your glory? And he's like, hmm, you know, remember this feeling you're feeling right now. Remember this. Remember how you're feeling. Because when you go back, there are people who feel that way. There are people who feel that way, who experience that on a daily basis. Can you be there for them? Can you be there for them? Can you help them? Can you welcome them to make sure that they don't feel what you felt here? Like, hmm, interesting thought, Lord. Okay. So, here we are. Now I am in Wichita, Kansas. I'm not from Wichita, Kansas. I am from southern Illinois. Uh Uh-oh, my clicker does not want to change. There we go. So here I am in Wichita, and I've only been here since the end of May, and five weeks of that time I was in Africa, so I really haven't been in Wichita very long. Um, And so honestly, and before that I had visited Linnea once, twice, and so I really am not familiar with Kansas. I'm not familiar uh, with anything here, really. I'm getting there a little bit now. Yeah, I can hear my accent which I didn't realize I had. But yes, can hear my accent, and um, now I'm trying to find out, you know, how to get around town and not get lost and all of these things. So, you know that because of my job, I was brought here to welcome refugees, which is a little bit funny because they know Wichita better than I do. So, in some sense, I have been in my job, both the stranger and the one who welcomes. So I've been a stranger in the sense of I don't know where I'm going. I could tell you story after story after story of times where I've completely flubbed things up um, in my job. Um, But there have just been several times where I don't know. I don't know uh, the different legal services here. I don't know the social services here very well yet. Um, And the list goes on and on and on and on and on of the things that I don't know. Even though I'm supposed to be the one welcoming them, right? Um, And so, yeah. I can do that to an extent. I can help them with language, which I've been doing. I can help them, you know, as things come up that are more general to American culture. But as far as Kansas, Wichita goes, I'm kind of lost. I don't know. I'm not from here. Um, So as I was praying about what should I say, how do I explain what my job is, how do I explain why and how I'm doing this, I just really felt God said to me, tell them what you're learning from them. Because remember, you were a stranger. You were a stranger too. And so that's what I want to spend some time sharing with you today. So if you look up at the picture, here are some of the, some of the people from the church. And some of you have probably met some of them already. Um, but here's what I've learned from them. The biggest thing that I have learned is how to turn a stranger into a part of a family like that. For us... It takes some time, you know. When you meet a stranger, you're a little bit hesitant, you know, because of what we're taught as a child. You know, be fearful, be cautious, don't let them hurt you. They might be out to get you. Um, 
But you don't really find that with them. And they turn you into their family so fast. And there are different ways that they do that, and I want to share that with you. So the first thing I want to mention is the power of their words. We know in Scripture it talks about how our, our words are powerful and they can either bring life or they can bring death. I have seen the Congolese refugees at Rivercrest use their words to bring so much life to me. Because I came here and I did, my family's not here. My, I left all of my friends except Linnea. <laughs> Thankfully she's here, but I didn't know anyone here. And so quickly they took me in. And here are some of the ways that they've done that. And I want to give you some concrete examples. Um, Okay, so most of them speak French, so I I included how they say it in French. um, And this is the way that I hear it, and I gave you the translation as well. So when I'm going to one of their houses, the first thing that they say to me is, approchez, 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 which means come near to us, be near to us. And so there is no casual greeting. They don't just let you slip in their house without you noticing them or without them noticing you. So they're like, oh, please come near to us. Be near to us. And so that's the first thing. Um, It's kind of like us saying, you know, make yourself at home. It's kind of the equivalent of that kind of an idea. But really, what has got me the most, what has brought me the most connectedness to them is the way that they call people. So usually I get called Sister Amanda Sister Amanda or Aunt Amanda, or, and then everyone else is brother or sister or aunt, mom, dad. And so when you get called this on a repeated, consistent basis, you start to believe it. Like, oh yeah, I am your sister, aren't I? Because in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters, right? Like we talked about in the passage in Hebrews. And so... That over time, the consistency of that, and by multiple people, it's not just one kid calling me sister. It's, it's the 50-year-old man calling me sister and the child calling me sister and, and the teenagers calling me sister. My sister. And they put the my in there too. My sister. Not just sister. My sister. And so that gives you this very strong sense of connectedness with them and you really feel like, oh, Okay, this is my family now. This is, this is the family that I have here. Um, and it's, I'm just so grateful for that. And the next thing that they say to me often, which took me a long time to figure out what it meant, is they'll say something like, in English, the equivalent, the equivalent is like, we're in this together. We're in this together. Um, but they mean it in terms of like a sign of respect, like we are together, we are, we're with you, we're for you, um, and it shows you the kind of relationship that you have with them. And so when you hear that, you're like, oh, yes, I'm one of you guys now, I'm a part of your family, I'm with you. And so you'll see at the bottom I included this. Um, this is a direct quote <laughs> that I just got this past week and honestly brought me to tears. Um, this past Wednesday, we were having youth group, and we were needing people to help sing, and we're struggling to find people to help with music. And so I asked some of the Congolese from my church, I said, would you please, I know it's really la- um, last minute, I'm asking you 10.30 on Tuesday, and we need your help on Wednesday. I know it's last minute, but would you be willing to help us with music? And he's, oh yeah, of course, we're one family now. Of course I would help you. And so it just, it touched me. It touched me on a deep level to hear them say this. We are one family now. So you help me, I help you. So it's not like I am just here meeting all of their needs. I'm just here serving them. But they also help me. And it's a very mutual relationship that I have built with them. 
The next thing I have learned from them, and it goes along the same lines, is hospitality. And I've had to relearn a little bit what hospitality looks like because it changes from culture to culture. What's hospitable to me is not necessarily hospitable to them. Um, But what's really gotten me is how they welcome you at any time of the day. It doesn't matter if it's 6 a.m., 7 a.m., noon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 10.30 at night, midnight. They will welcome you into your house, and you're never treated like you're a disruption to their day. You're never treated like a disruption, and you're never treated like an interruption to them. It's always, oh, you're here. Yes, please come in. Please, please come in. Please be with us. Come near to us, no matter when it is. You know, if someone showed up at my house 6 a.m., I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm trying to sleep. Please leave. (laughs) You know, and so they have really taught me about what it means to Make sure they don't feel like they're disrupting me. Um, And you know, there have been times in life where you're with someone, but you can tell that they're busy and they'd rather be doing other stuff, so they they keep cleaning. I'm going to keep cleaning while while I'm talking to you so that you get the picture. I'm busy. Uh, But they don't do that. They don't do that. They come and they sit next to you and they're like, come near to us. You're here. You're a guest. Please uh, be with us. And... And in that, they're always willing to share what they have. They may not have much, but they always share. Um, and especially their food. So even if I'm at a family's house 10.30 at night, they will cook for me. They will cook for me, and it will take them an hour or however long it takes them. But they're not going to let me leave without making sure that I've been taken care of and that they've fed me. And the third thing I've noticed from them is just along the same lines is they have this openness, this openness to people, um, to strangers that we don't necessarily have because we want to keep people at arm's length, but they very quickly come near. And they don't have this, this distrust, even though they have every right in the world to have this distrust given their circumstances as refugees. Um, but they have this open-heartedness uh, where they're willing to let people in and willing to let people come near to them. So what I want to end with today um, is just talking about the idea that our tangible acts of faith, right? So caring for orphans, caring for widows, spending time with prisoners, being with the sick, healing people, praying with people, all of these things. Why do we do them? Do we do them just for the sake of doing them? Do we do them to make ourselves look good? But what I want to say is these tangible acts remind us of spiritual realities. That's why Christ calls us to do these things. So, the reason we welcome strangers is because it reminds us, it reminds us of our spiritual reality that we too were once strangers from Christ. So in the past, before we come to know Christ, we're his enemy uh, at worst, and at best, we're his stranger. We don't know him. Um, And he says, depart from me, I don't know you. But because Christ, of what he's done on the cross for us, has brought us near to him. And so I'm, I'm just, as I think about Christ, I, I hear my brothers and sisters who are from Congo saying, come near, come near, come near to us. And I hear Christ saying that to me when I hear them saying that. Come near, come near. And so it reminds us that Christ is the one who first and two welcomed us. And so I want to leave you with, uh, I'm going to leave you with this scripture, and I'm going to leave you with a quote, and then I will wrap it up. But this scripture in Ephesians says, Consequently, 
you are no longer foreigners and strangers. So remember, we were all once foreigners and strangers to God. But you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So not only are we not strangers to God, but we're not strangers to each other anymore either. Once you enter into the kingdom of God, now we have all these brothers and sisters who come from all over the world. Um, And so let me leave you with this quote. I've been reading this book, and it's super good. I think I borrowed it from Pastor Hink. And it's called Making Room, Recovering Hospitality as the Christian Tradition. So I want to leave you with this quote. It says, As a way of life, an act of love, an expression of faith, our hospitality reflects and anticipates God's welcome. Simultaneously costly and wonderfully rewarding, hospitality often involves small deaths and little resurrections. By God's grace, we can grow more willing, more eager to open the door